This podcast contains adult content, so if you've got little ears in the car, you may want to turn it down. We also go deep into the emotional, spiritual, and energetic worlds, so please open your hearts and proceed with care. As soon as your outer vestments are in hand, I know you're easy. Even when you're a woo 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 Welcome to the Woo Wooverse. It is your safe space for all things woo. Think spirit, think soul, think life, the universe, and everything. I mean, there's probably some kale juice and a yoni egg and a dream catcher in there somewhere. A couple of crystals too. Uh, I'm Kira Lee. I'm Lynette. And today we are talking about the energy of relationships. Yeah. Just because this is kind of how we play, this is how we, we learn about our energy and we play a lot of our lessons out throughout our lifetime. It's all, it's so much you can do with the realignment that you do within your own self, but it really, shit gets real <laughs> when you come into relationship, right? That's when we really see and feel and experience. Exactly, because we're a soul, but then we're bumper carring into other souls all these other people they're all out there as well yeah I'm just do you ever get that thing I think we all have it to a degree where we're like I am the star of my own show this is my life is a movie and I am the leading character and I think I led so much of my life like that and a really important thing I'm trying to do at the moment I call it decentering, mm. where whenever I'm in a group of people I actively remind myself that everybody there, that hundred of people who mean nothing to me, I've never met them before, I'll never see them again, they're all starring in their own movie as well and I'm the least important person there from their perspective and it's really humbling and kind of upsetting but also really freeing to do. We have this so much but I had such the opposite experience (laughs) as a child (laughs) where I was the firstborn but I was always overthinking, over-caretaking, surrogating, worrying and feeling everyone else. And it actually took me years to go, how do I feel and what's my boundary and what do I want and not want and how do I say that? How do I have my own experience? Yeah, okay. And so I actually have to practice in the group a completely opposite experience is where sometimes I go and pay for something and I have to go, this is about me. And I'll tell you a funny story. I went for a colonic once. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. I love any story that starts that way. Yes. <laughs> tell us more about your colonic. Yeah. yeah, I went for a colonic once. I'd had an operation on my jaw. And, you know, obviously if you're having trouble eating, everything gets a bit strange and there's lots of medication. So I thought, you know, book. I asked my partner and he's like, I'll book you in for a colonic. I'll get you there. And don't worry, Good you don't man. have to speak. Your mouth is shut and blah, blah, blah. So he tells the practitioner, listen, Lynette's just had an operation. Um, so she won't be able to speak much, but if just give her hand signals if you need anything from her. She's fine. She really wants to do it. Anyway, so we get in and the beautiful woman did a great treatment, massaging my belly with the castor oil, like just helping me cleanse my system. It was awesome. And then I think we're halfway through and she said, you know, Lynette, oh, I just got to thank you because 10 years ago you gave me the most amazing reading and I really can't wait till you can speak again because I'd really love to come and see you. And I was like, I couldn't say, oh, my God. You're like, you just put a tube up my butt. (laughs) You just told me the seven things that I had for breakfast six years ago. And and I went, I did. I thought, this cannot be true. And it's like, I honestly, like the boundaries in my world were very thin sometimes. And so... Over the years, I've had to go, there's a reason for these boundaries because yeah. they were not my natural state. And relationships are how we learn, whether it's the relationship yeah. with the woman who's putting the tube up our butt <laughs> or it's the relationship we have with like family members, story. lovers, partners, bosses. Relationships are how we learn. That is where the rubber meets the road and we find out who we are, what we want, what's real, what's not, what pushes our buttons, what we enjoy, what we don't. It's all in relationship. Yeah, it's considered the how we learn about commitment and connection and mm. disconnection. And how we unlearn as well, maybe, like how we see what we were taught and then yeah, decide to undo patterns it. patterns and mm. unpatterning. But, you know, you describe it beautifully that we are these souls and then we have these experiences, but we are perfect examples of this. We have completely different experiences growing up in the world. So mm. we feel, and the world was feeding back and we were feeding back to it, 
completely differently and everyone's suffering in multitude of frequencies amongst that until we can kind of get a handle on what's right for us. The first place it's believed that we really begin this relationship obviously is in soul space, which is the relationship with ourselves and the divine frequency of how that's all going to happen before we get down here. Sounds very much like a Hollywood movie script, but it's kind of interesting because I've heard Carolyn Meese talk about it this way before and I, I love this. She says it's based on the myth of Mithros and the soul, if you imagine, is in this amazing grand space and the energy of God says, okay, soul, what is it that is your intention about returning to earth? What do we need to play that out and how do you kind of want to run this? And this kind of energy flow picture is formed and this frequency is agreed upon. As is, she describes this funny experience. It's like you get everyone in a hall and you say, hey, who wants to play my addicted relationship partner at 23? And you might put your hand up. I do. Can I play it at 35 and 38 as well? Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, who wants to be my dad? Who wants to be my mom? And all of this kind of stuff. And then what happens is the experience starts to formulate like you know energy starts to come around it and the agreement is made and then it is ripped up into a trillion pieces and it is thrown out into the world and you have to cross the river of forgetfulness to get back into physical incarnation so once you land here you completely forget that you made the agreement, that everyone in the room was part of your plan, that you had shaken the hand of that boyfriend that's going to leave you abruptly, you know, when you didn't want it to happen. That was all there. It was all written. These noble friends were in place before we began. My parents used to talk about this a lot. They believe this, that you choose they? you choose your parents, you choose your family. So, But th- you don't necessarily want to hear that when you're like 13 years old and you hate your parents because they won't let you go to the party and you're like, you're trying to be so rebellious and cool and then they're like, yeah, well, you chose us. And I was like, shut up, I did not. Obviously, now as an adult who does what I do, I'm like, yeah, yeah I totally chose you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, clearly that's what happened. But at the time I was like, shut it. Yes, yeah, so these are the things that we first learn on, right? So we learn on that first relationship with the universe ourselves and the divine that map then we learn in the womb the relationship of connection with the mother really Mm. starts in the womb Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that come from readings can experience and remember that frequency and connection the birth experience coming into the world and then what happens in the world and you know one of the first people we definitely play out the dynamic of power struggles and love and connection and boundaries is our siblings and also the concept of authority and being given to and receiving and protected is played out with our our parents. parents so all of this starts very very young and way back in that soul space and it's very interesting then growing up to be a mentor like you and I are we work with with individuals and groups of people and so whatever they experienced with their parents and this idea of like authority often they end up playing out with us don't they because it's like we get these patterns when we're younger in relationship and we're like oh yeah okay so that's how that goes and then we play them out or we recognize them and choose to change them but yeah it's not just the relationship maybe that you had with your parents it's then that then becomes the relationship you have with your boss or your mentor or, it, your, or coach, your counselor or your, or or your, your counselor yeah, or, or your partner or, or your dog. Yeah. I've seen people have relationship control issues with their dog. I'm sure dog yeah. therapists everywhere are nodding Knowing as I exactly. speak about this because the person yes. who doesn't have boundaries in their relationships doesn't have boundaries with yeah. their dog yeah. either. Absolutely. And I always start the journey with talking about that mentoring experience and saying – you know, were, was have you ever had someone there in your life? Could you trust them? Yeah. How vulnerable could you be? Yeah. What was your relationship with your parents? What do you think about the higher power? How are we going to get this going? Because obviously I don't want to step front and centre into that space or I can't help you. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because you were, you were my mentor and you have the same name as my mother. And I'm like, well, there are no accidents, are they? They all come together. Do you know how bizarre that is? Because one of my other students, exactly the same thing. Yeah, right. And Lynette is not a very common name, even though all the Lynettes out there, hello. But (laughs) when I grew up, I did not know another Lynette. I knew a Lynn and all of that kind of stuff. And a lot of people said, oh, that's shortened. But isn't that amazing? And that happens a lot. I've read people whose father's name is, for example, Steve. 
and they will have three relationships with Steve or yeah, um, their sister's name is, you know, Sayara and then the next minute they have this boss called Sayara and they're playing exactly the same thing out. It happens. It's, Does it happen with my name though? How many Kiralees are out there nodding at the moment going, yeah, so many Kiralees. So what is the energy patterning of relationships and what do they teach us? So there's the karmic patterning and then there's all that relationship understanding that we can change things, we can move things, we can have influence over the negotiation around the energy exchange. Mm. But you can understand how difficult it gets when you think about the ego being a hungry beast, the need for control, and the soul going, but I just want to love everything and everyone. And, And you can tell that some people just help you feel calm in your soul and you're like, we're speaking the same language. There's no triggers. There's no electricity here, either from another lifetime. You don't represent anyone in my life. It's just easy. And God, may you be with those people many, many times over and have them in your life because they are truly treasures that you've bought to yourself to show you that love can be easy, that exchange can be easy. But then equally important are the noble friends where there is electricity and triggering and high voltage experiences that hopefully you can breathe through for a few days, 48 hour rule, and then come back and try it, do it differently and recognize where the patterns are. I mean, when I think back to my sibling experiences and the amount of door slamming or tape, I remember one day my brother got tape and taped out our space about what was mine what was his and I was like you're not allowed to touch this and this is and you know and it's so interesting when you think about that as an adult and you go and do something you're trying to tape tape a line somewhere and whether you're comfortable with that or uncomfortable and how you're going to speak through that this is I think this is massive stuff I really do. It's really difficult stuff. It's part of the power of family as well. And families are complicated places. It's not to ever say that there's one way to run your family relationships. There's not. You've got to figure out your own boundaries. There's no perfection in a family. Yeah, right. But there is something. Family generally are pretty hard to get rid of. So there is something, as long as there is kind of no abuse or something that really needs to be cut off, if it's just complicated emotions and complicated dynamics, the fact that you have to go through it your entire life with these people There is deep power in that because with friends or bosses, you can just like, I leave this job, I leave this friendship, I'm cutting you off. Family, you kind of got to work through it and it's hard, but it can be really powerful. Even if you're not next to them, you've still got to work through it. I don't think you can run away from that energy, which is, I guess, what I was thinking when I was looking at Harry and Meghan and for the rightful reasons that they may have chosen to exit and move on and change the dynamic. Of course, I was looking at it going, but you can't essentially run away from whatever these issues and these problems and working through them are as none of us can and so it is very painful yeah you still got to process I I think that was a very visceral experience for so many people because Mm. we're watching it play out in the world you know the stuff with her father and and all of that I mean everyone's sort of tapping into it on some level the Brad and Jen stuff do you know when Brad recently brushed up against Jennifer Anderson and they had that connection moment after one of the award ceremonies and everyone was like, everyone was seeing that through whatever lens of a lost lover or rekindled lover or, you know, we play these things out a lot and that's why we love movies and stories. Otherwise we wouldn't have characters in them. And it's so true. There's the relationships that we have, like there's the relationship we have with ourselves. There's the relationships we have with the people around us. There's the relationships we have with characters. Some of my um, most formative relationships are with fictional characters in books and television. Yeah, I get way too attached as well, (laughs) Kiralee. Like I I am like – and you know what? I have a partner that does too. So we kind of fall (laughs) in love with whole character shows and deep dive into their life. It's ridiculous. I've spent far too much time thinking about Don Draper over decades, like over nearly a decade now. And like what he might be up to and how's he doing. Anyway, that's another story. He's archetypal, sacred contract to all of us. (laughs) So types of relationships, let's talk about the types of relationships, especially the ones that really, really somehow jack into us and really affect us. Not the peripheral relationships, Mm. but like the earth shaking relationships. This is a lot of questioning that people have for a clairvoyant or a psychic when you first sit down. It's like this is what people want to talk about. So we're going to try and sound not too daily, you know, telegraph about this when we talk about it because I actually think these kinds of connections can cause harrowing pain 
and also major ecstasy when they're not in balance. So they are important to talk about. I understand why people want to know. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, these are relationship types, relationships, the way our energies connect in and commit to other energies can cause us great joy or it can cause us harrowing pain if it's not in balance. Yeah, and I think it's good to make the point, the first relationship being with ourselves, when our mind and our soul energy is in balance and we're connecting and having a positive relationship with ourselves, nurturing ourselves, taking care of ourselves, in our notion that we've been talking about, it's reparenting ourselves, looking, having an adult higher self look after our inner child. That forms a really good basis. But for most of us, we didn't come launching into relationships with all of that at you know 16 15 20 whatever point you started entering usually deeply sexual relationships or connected relationships emotionally and so we often end up in the imbalanced sides of things and you know what happens for example if you meet somebody who you've had a past life connection with which is what we would call a soulmate somebody who in that big hall that we're talking about that was up there discussing what you wanted in your journey and how it was going to push you forward what happens when one of those people has come back and you have known them before that's a soulmate or a past soul life connection and it can feel so close, can't you? Because I've had relationships like that in my life where like we keep bumping into each other, we keep coming around, mm. it never really ends, It, but it also feels really shitty. Like, But but we must be destined to be together because, yes. because it keeps coming around. That's the only possibility that it's the, the rom-com. And then it's just if we stick it out, we must live happily ever after. But it's not. that's not necessarily what a soul connection or twin flame is, is it? No, but that's what Hollywood taught us it was. God bless Hollywood. We do love it and it fills up a lot of my day. But, you know, the thing is that we were taught that, oh, my God, I've known you before. Therefore, A plus B equals C, we're meant to be together forever and be joyful. But here's what I always say. When you meet someone from a past life, there's going to be recognition, feeling of electricity, chemistry, warmth, awakening. And then... If you wait long enough, you're going to see why it was separated in another time. Yeah, that makes So it's going to come to you, oh, my goodness, okay, it's a crunch point. So you meet, you might have the most amazing sex or you might, you know, just beaming off each other's frequency. You love the same things. You keep like you're meant to be together. Meet the same person, different place, different time. You're like, oh my god! And so the, you know, I call this my with my friend, the red rose flew through the window, so it must be. But not always because when you get to that point where it gets crunchy, it's usually about, well, I do want children and you don't. I am polyamorous and you're not. Well, you have a wife and I don't. (laughs) And I'd like to get married. Yes, and I don't. And you live in this country. I live in – but, we, you know, it could be anything. And you'll go, this was the karmic thing we hadn't got through together before and I'll say to people they'll say but why why did they come back and I say because you get a chance to sort it out the destiny was that you meet the free will though is can you work it out to make it function love is not enough you can have soul love for someone and sometimes love means I love you enough that you deserve to go and be with someone else and so do I and we're going to continue this love forever and ever and ever and ever and ever but we cannot keep doing this and I can't be in a relationship where I can't have a puppy and you hate dogs. We just can't do it and we're going to take each other to town for 15 years if we try to keep doing this. I think it is like it's a fundamental way of looking at relationships, isn't it, where it is the Hollywood happily ever after. If if you you power, if there's power, if there's connection, if there's depth, it's meant to be, you're meant to be together. But actually the relationships, the reality of relationships is if there's power and there's depth, you're meant to go through something together. You're meant to like we learn, we understand, we grow, but then we also know everything ends. There actually is no happily ever after because everything does end. It's built in. It's a function. It's part of the purpose. There's a beginning and there's an end to everything. Yeah, I've even read people who are soulmates, are connected, you know, that may be you it may be destiny that you function to build houses together and have children together or whatever. But then sometimes after those children grow up, that 
they the couple decide that love and chemistry is not there anymore or equally it may be there right until the end point but everything is different and I think we have to come to understanding in the age of Aquarius that relationships are based on soul love but they've got to have a mechanic They've got, to have a me- the they've got to have a mechanical structure that works. And yeah. it's a chakric thing. You might have a base chakra memory and connection. Your heart chakra is maybe open to the max. But what about the third chakra and the navel chakra and how it operates in exchange and balance in the world? And for a lot of people, if you're feeling sick and intense and nervous and anxious and you can't sleep around someone it's a sign that those two chakras no matter how much love is there is not in balance and it's probably about healing that because that's work out another point is. that a lot of what we mistake for connection is actually re- living and, and repurposing our traumas because yes. it's actually you're like well no I had a traumatic relationship with somebody like this growing up and so now what I have with you it doesn't make me happy it's not good but oh my god I know my lines yeah, I've read this script. I know how this goes. So there's like an element of comfort, even if there's discomfort, but we misread it. Even if you have awareness, I think it's uncomfortable. The other day, and it's so silly because I've never really overly kind of thought my children are mine and I never want to let them go. And maybe that's all how they came in as well. I always kind of realized they were a blessing and they're just kind of coming and passing through and my job to nurture them. But the other day my son said to me, Mum, if it's okay, I'm just – gonna do all that with dad and it was such a small thing but I went and I went oh my god I'm gonna feel this feeling a thousand times I literally felt him just take a little piece of his energy and go and give it to someone else and step a little further out and Mm. it it took me back how much it registered in my system that's the process of loving him is to just keep letting him go and be the man he needs to be and But still, even with my awareness, I could have gone and had a cry in the bathroom for Yeah, but then it's because it's the same way you want to be loved as well. Like if he clung on forever, by the time he's 25, you'd be like, son, you need to go and have some of your own experiences. Like (laughs) I can't come with you to work. still now. I'm like, if I could just have five minutes to do that on my own, it'd be healthy. There's a really nice idea in the way of looking at relationships, which is always the student and the teacher. And so that's Mm. not what we might think of student and teacher, like school teacher, school student, yoga teacher, yoga student. It's this idea that every single person you are in relationship with, whether they are a parent or a child or a friend or the barista that you see once a week or the person driving the bus, every single one of them is your teacher and that actually every single one of them there is a possibility not that they've been sent to you they're their own autonomous experiences but there is something to learn from every single person that you come into contact with and everyone is special every relationship has depth exactly and it's that whole concept that as we come into awareness about who we are our life the world we kind of agree to participate consciously in levels of interaction and we see what we're learning and exchanging one of the most painful relationship experiences and equally ecstatic in measure is the twin flame relationship do you have a lot of people come to see you about twin flame relationships people love it and nobody ever comes like it's like it's one of the main questions everyone looks at me like why don't you love it as much as me I'm like because if you've ever let a twin flame go or experienced it in its truest measure you understand that it is almost like the most divine meeting of connection and yet unless both of you can hold that and function in complete awareness which is very very rare yes it usually ends in combustion. And you know that you know the couple so I always many. use to describe this and I always someone will sit down and I'll go, they'll tell me this story about this amazing man and this tantric energy and this spontaneous kundalini rising and these you know, they dream of each other and they can smell each other when they're millions of miles away and they know what colours each other are wearing and I'll say, Yes, okay. Do you know the story, God bless them, about Michael Hutchins? And Paulie, oh Paulie Yates. Oh and they'll be like, and I said, I call it the Michael Hutchins effect. This person was meant to, he had the most amazing kundalini with mm, certain energies so and relationships that he used to meet with women. And he would ignite them. They all became more open, more free. They were altered by having him in their world. But equally, it was very hard to stabilize in his frequency. Even the woman who ended up having his child 
found it very difficult to stabilise in his frequency and may have had some of that element in herself, which is the twin flaming connection. It, that, you know, the star-crossed lovers, Romeo and Juliet style frequency is, it, it could destroy the world, I think, on some level. And it could also when heal the world. When it goes bang, it goes bang, world. doesn't it? Yeah. Like in, yeah, in every sense of the word. Yeah. And, it, you know, and I think people say to me, does everyone have one? Is it always going to come in? No, I, I don't think that's always the case, but they serve a very special purpose. They usually come in, like I said, to open all the chakras, to raise the kundalini so you get that energy pop in every single chakra, lights going up and down your body, you can't sleep, you feeling things, seeing things, wanting things that you've never thought about before, memories come back. But equally then they step out. And they're designed not to necessarily complete the circuit. Your job is then to go back and look at where the circuit is incomplete and to fix your own wholeness. So they actually come in to remind us of both of those frequencies. And I know people who have, and I have experienced this feeling of wanting to die when that energy leaves your system or leaves your frequency. Well, it's always a good invitation to ask yourself, is it twin flame or is it codependency? Yeah, well, twin nice. flames come in to teach codependence. Yeah. How yeah. To, usually doing. if you have a major codependency issue, which means that there's been often a vanishing twin in the womb or an unresolved energy with some kind of soul frequency on the other side, there's usually some kind of deep neglect or um, abandonment with the parental attachment and separation from soul self. So twin flames really come in to go, you've got to connect your soul back up, babe. It's about you and your soul and your your choice for life. And then once you choose to live, that's when you receive a soulmate that can balance out that frequency and connection in a more even way. And on this idea, Dear of of teaching of learning from the people around us of relationships as teaching often when we think of teachers we think of like maybe our kindergarten teacher who was like super sweet and lovely and like taught us how to like read a book and we think of teachers as being these really kind presences in our life but actually a lot of the time teachers come through and the way they teach us is by teaching us who we don't want to be what we don't want to do you can receive messages through cruelty and neglect and difficult situations and difficult people Mm. And so it does kind of give some sort of value to like if there is somebody in your world at the moment, and again, this is very different to like outright abuse, but if there's someone difficult in your world at the moment, you can view them as a teacher. Like, what am I learning from you? Okay, I'm learning, I don't want to behave like that. I don't want to treat people like that. It can be a nice way of filtering a complicated relationship, this idea of teacher-student. Absolutely. And I think you can move away to do that. You can take some time and space because if you keep getting what I call the electric fence shock, next to them you're not going to figure that out because you're going to go into survival and flight mode yeah yeah but if you can get away from it for a bit and sometimes that needs to be a full kind of energetic release cycle of 21 30 days three months you will see further it it could even be i haven't seen them in 10 years they broke my heart Mm. 10 years ago and i'm I'm still living through it but now i'm kind of ready to have a new perspective on it like you could even have that much distance between you and them to do the work of what did I learn? How were they my teacher? How do I not go through this again? It was interesting. I sat with a, um, a psychologist once and we were talking about this and I was trying to understand why we get so attached and why that's so painful to release these attachments. And he described it to me. He said, if you understand the first attachment, and it's not always, but just for as a metaphor, as the breast and the child. So you're breastfeeding on your mother and then you have to at some point wean from that breast. So you've had this incredible connection and this incredible comfort. And then all of a sudden at some point, the milk or you or something changes and it's time to say no to that experience and I've watched with my own children sometimes they literally just get up and that is done like Mm. and then other other souls there's a different relationship and there's (laughs) more of a interplay that has to happen he said that is like people and stepping in and out from this frequency some of us will just go that's not feeling great for me anymore maybe I'll go and try something else maybe there is a greater frequency for me that I need to look at and other people keep going back to try and get from the same source and he says once once you can start to see that you're returning to mother's milk it might 
which is such a funny concept, I know. But he was like, we do it with coffee and chai and all sorts of things. We replace this milk with heroin, you know, because we're like, I need to fill it. And he said, once you can go sense it from yourself or a greater place, you will find that that you can wean yourself from these lower frequency connections. And there's an idea in shadow work as well, when we're doing our shadow work, that whatever it is that really triggers us in our relations with other people, there's probably some of that hanging around in our shadow and we can't see it. So if you're a person who like people being late, just grinds your gears and not you're like annoyed that you had to wait, yeah. but if it does your head in, if it yeah. just somebody being late is a total trigger for you and it like kind of makes you want to explode. The idea is you need to sit with that and look at like how you treat other people's time because there's something in that for you. Cause other people can be like, you're 10 minutes late. I don't give a shit. I didn't I even notice. Shit. I really yeah, don't. Right. But whatever it is that really mm. pushes your buttons, you need to look at what those buttons are. Cause it's not the other person necessarily. It, it's within you as well, even if you can't see it yet. The only way to change the way your energy relates in the world and is received is to come back to look at what your energy circuits are doing. And yeah. my beautiful therapist, Joan, who, God, she put up with my tempestuous unconscious behavior for so long, but she was like, you know, if there's electricity, there's something here for you. If you are bringing it up and you're not just walking yeah. past it. Yeah. And, and there's it, something it, in it. There's something in it. And she said, yeah. you know, because I'd go in and go, and this and this and this. And she'd go, yep, one finger pointing out, three fingers yes. pointing back. So Let's true. look at how this is relating to you. And it, it is interesting because the more you do that softening of yourself, whether it's to be gentler on yourself or to witness what maybe you're doing, you think, oh, God, I never even knew that. It, it does change so much of what you can experience with another person and how much space you have for them and the relationship to actually happen. How you can lay and enforce your boundaries with mm. a lot of love. Mm. Like it doesn't have yeah. to be like, you did this to me. And then you can just be like, you know what, we we, we're not good friends. We need yeah. to stop being friends with like so much love. We need to stop being friends. Yeah. yeah. When we talk about these relationships that are twin flames and soulmates and noble friends, people who come to remind us or complete with us in this journey or to fulfill something, sometimes what happens is we are unconscious when we enter them. We're very young and we start playing out an archetypal pattern we yes. start playing oh out oh you're the husband i'm the wife i just and dated did you my do mother that? for so long did oh you? my god I just, do yeah. you know yeah. my my experience with this was when i was younger i'm quite a wild spirit at heart like i love i'm a virgo in my day so everything's ordered but in my soul i just love a bit of ragamuffin behavior yeah. and i realized that one day i was playing out a role in a relationship where I was like, am I going to get married? We're going to have a toaster and we're going to have a fence and a dog. And, and then this person walked into my life and basically just went, let's, um, I'm, we're not doing any of that. I'm not like, I don't do that. I don't do those things. Obviously the pendulum. Right. But I realized, oh my God, I had been choosing one aspect of myself, Mm. but also I had started to play out being a wife. And I'm not, I don't think I make a very good wife in the traditional sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was it's a pretty not, wife it's not, have you ever done that? Did yeah. you play yeah. a role and then have to stop go, go, what are you doing? I don't do that in my, I'm not that person. I think for me as well, it was a bit of the play of like, because there is who we are in our souls and in our hearts and what we want. But then there's what um, media and society and culture tells us we should be and what we want, right? So I think that was a bit for me. I was like, well, now this is what a wife does. And this is, and then I just, I like, hi, Shuffy. Then I just realized I'm terrible at it. I'm really fucking bad at it. That's not my job. There's lots of things I bring to the table and being a traditional wife, it's just not one of them. I was actually shocked and liberated when you got married <laughs> because I went, you did it all differently. Yeah. And I loved that and it continued to blow my mind and it was con- continued to be differently. Even then when you separated, it continued to blow my mind and how open and conscious it was. But the, I really felt relief that if I wanted to get married, yeah. I didn't have to like hold a certain post and a role and, a, and, yeah. and I think – and I've had to do that about mothering. Yeah, yeah. I've stood at daycare gates and stuff and gone, yeah, I'm not great at lunchboxes. And – Lunchboxes okay. are not my thing. And that's yeah. as, yeah. A, as a human, as a Lynette, I don't do lunchboxes. I've had to say to my sons, they often say to me, Mom, you don't do this very well. And I go, yeah, because that's just not who I am. But what I do can do for you is this. And I think yeah. is 
Is this a new type of understanding to break away from these archetypal patterns? Yeah, and I think this is the relationship. So then the relationship we had with others is very powerful. And this comes back to the relationship we have with ourselves, which is like the longest, most profound, deep relationship we'll ever have. And we spend so much time dating each other and so little time dating ourselves. And and I see this all the time as a yoga teacher. It's like people, these high-flying, highfalutin corporate raiders who just have these amazingly powerful positions and they're so stimulated all day and they're like just high type A yeah just like getting shit done in a way I cannot get shit done and they do it all day every day and then they come to a yoga class and I ask them to spend 10 minutes in meditation and it's the hardest thing they've actually done that day because it's actually just 10 quiet minutes with themselves and that is self-relationship and and we avoid it a lot of us our whole lives we avoid that but if you look at our whole community and our world we are in avoidance of each other and yeah. they're even like watching suffering on television anymore. We can't watch it because A, we feel manipulated, but B, also it's, I can't handle my own suffering. I can't handle that. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's so becoming much. bigger and bigger. And I, I think you make a great point that it is, we have to kind of have that time with ourselves and our soul and mm. build that relationship because I think we find out that we're okay as we are. We equally yeah. find out that maybe what we've been pushing for isn't really what we want. The amount of people that will come off that treadmill and they'll have a divorce or they'll, you know, have a health scare or they'll lose some money or they'll lose their job and they'll say, you know what, I don't even know if it's fucking what I wanted anyway. And I'll go, what a liberation. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But, yes, it's all coming down. The tower is crashing and it feels pretty scary. It's that great thing Brene Brown says as well. She talks about stop taking your shit out on other people. If you can work your shit out in yourself, Like if you can do the work within yourself, and this is like part of this self-development work, it can look really selfish and there's not to say that it can't be very self-centered, but if you're doing your self-development work properly and with the right intention, ultimately you go inside of yourself to turn outside of yourself and you become a better friend and a better daughter and a better lover and a better mother because you stop working your shit out on other people. We've talked about this before, but that new age journey where everyone started claiming back themselves and then everyone had boundaries and you go to a workshop and people go sorry this is my cushion and I don't believe in that and I can't be near nuts and da, 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 da. and it was like oh, oh it's becoming crazy and 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 yet there are things that if we keep going down this road I think that we have to acknowledge not everyone is meant to be our lover not everyone is meant to be our husband or wife or partner not everyone is meant to be our friend sometimes things happen very quickly very intensely and they're meant to be sorted out or they can't be sorted out meant to take space but it is I think it's been challenging for us to move our minds around these concepts because Mm, and it's so funny we talk about it because the age of Pisces is all about structures and what we were born into and what we learnt. And the age of Aquarius is says, well, really, what do you want it to be like? It's more lateral. We can be more free about this, more easygoing. And I think that's kind of interesting, but I'm sure it blows people's minds not to have something to hold on to that's going to be in their control. (laughs) For me, this was one of the best things about realising I was polyamorous, that when I thought I was monogamous – They were like, these are the ways you're meant to run a relationship and this is how it goes because society decided this is how it goes. And I tried, like I did, I tried my hardest. I did, but it never really worked for me. And I kept making mistakes and like dating people's ex-boyfriends and I didn't know you weren't allowed to do that, that you owned him for life. And now like, and I just kept messing it up. And then that was part of the really great unconditioning for me is realizing that's not who I am. It's not what I want. it's not who I have to be. Okay, fine. I want to be polyamorous. But then I started at ground zero. I was like, I've never done this before. And I have no role models for this. Not a single person I know lives like this. Mm. I have to figure it out for myself. And it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing to decondition and then figure it out for myself and then really figure it out by fucking it up quite a few times. But actually ask myself at every step of the way, what is it that I want? And how can I care the most? How can I care? And, and not make this a selfish exercise because I'm in community. If I want to date many people at once, it's a lot of emotional labor. How can I really make these connections in the most beautiful, loving way when I've actually been taught that it should be competitive yeah. and it should be jealous and it should be no and it should be denial? How can I flip it to love and connection and community and together and abundance? And keep it safe and harmonious. And yeah. we've ta- we talked a lot about that during that journey about – There are so few people, I have to say, that 
come out of that well and understand it, but it is something that is going to become more and more important for people to get and understand as we go on because we can't keep holding on and owning our partnerships and our connections and we have to be able to be truthful if we need something or we're missing something or and what that means for all of us and you don't want to live in like starvation culture you want to live in abundance culture there is enough I am enough you are enough we are enough (laughs) but I have and this kind of goes back to some of those patterning of relationships we're talking about before I have read many a people who have tried to go down that path and go I am polyamorous I can do it Uh, and you watch them agonize over this experience and their whole physical body is suffering because they haven't worked through something within themselves and it is important that we have that time on our own to feel into that power within ourselves rather than jumping from one ship to the other. Mm. It's We always say this, but it's a minefield that we are working through, And but we've got an age of Aquarius to do it. Isn't that something like 2,000 years yep, or something? Yep, we, can, so we can get there, We people. can figure it out. Also, polyamory, complicated, totally recommend though. You should definitely go do it. <laughs> Everyone needs a moment of polyamory. So let's talk about actually, let's talk about how we do stay mindful in relationships. How is it that in relationship and in learning and in connection and in like when energy all gets tangled up together, it can be hard to step back and go, what's really going on here? How do we stay mindful in relationship? It's again, we've talked about this around soul energy, but it's entries and exits. Yeah. <laughs> and also Alanya Van Zandt talks about this amazing thing called the in the meantime, and it saved my life. She talks about the fact that We see ourselves in a relationship or out of a relationship, but we don't see ourselves as having this space to build the relationship with ourselves and to work out what we want in our next experience. Like to take an inventory, what did I learn? What worked? What was great? What would I have done better? What do I want now? Do I want to go in this direction, that direction, try something else? You know, and, and that in the meantime is something that the previous generation didn't, understand I don't think because you were either married or you were single waiting for a man or a woman to come stay together forever right yeah and whether you loved it or not you were in the archetypal experience till death do us part (laughs) and then but now we're like okay no hold on I've got space and then what am I going to do with this space and why have I been given this space so I can heal so I can rebuild so I can change and then we can reconnect Differently, and the amount of people that do that work, and then they're just happy, they've organized everything, they're ready, they're you know, and then in comes the next experience because we are designed to evolve by having relationships. And there's so many new kinds of relationships happening again because it used to you just got married and then you died together. Now there's yes. second, second relationships, third. Uh, marriages and the kids step stepchildren yeah there's ex-husbands who have co-created relationships combined families like there's all these beautiful different experiences that are quite new and that go on for our entire life like I'm really looking forward to the relationship I have where I fall in love when I'm 70 and we're together till I'm 85 and it's just gonna be amazing jello and the you know burning man silver (laughs) dance party at 70 why not look it'll be taking my teeth out at burning man that's fine it will be there yeah so there's all these new ways of learning and becoming mindful and growing and understanding happening at the moment even you know how we talked about these patterns start from the very beginning of origin yeah yeah I have a beautiful friend who had a, a donor egg donor sperm and had two children and then someone else who was a friend of hers needed a embryo and they had an agreement that there would be also a sharing in that and then that other that they found there were other sort of half siblings of those kids they go on holidays they connect they have siblings rainbow siblings that are all connecting it's like our concept of connection and archetypal family and all of that will need to change the laws and the principles of why we bond and how we bond and how we let each other go and what we do when it doesn't work out and how we make amends, that stuff is the stuff we need to focus on, not all the, you know, other nuts and bolts. The mechanics of it. Mm. I, my advice for how to stay mindful in relationships comes 
from my own experience because I have a, a savior complex surprise and um, nobody who knows me currently listening to this will be shocked by that statement but I didn't even realize I had a savior complex because I was just playing it out I wasn't it was my shadow I wasn't aware that it was there until I did a lot of work with you actually and then all of a sudden I did my shadow work I could see oh my god I have a savior complex I have this in my relationship mm. I need and I, I was a bit abrupt. I immediately just cut it off. I was like, boo boo, old pattern, don't want it anymore, not going to play with it anymore. But it really scuttled the relationship. I don't think I was conscious. I don't think I was mindful. I was just all of a sudden I was awake. I was like, I've been doing this. I need to stop doing this. And I stopped. And then it really fundamentally changed the, the bones of the relationship because I hadn't even realized I'd been playing this pattern out. Mm. And yet that pattern was kind of at the base of the relationship. Do you know that a lot of people are scared of that? feeling I I was scared of it I I was in a relationship when I was younger and I was so scared that I was still not knowing it was enough or one and it was great but it wasn't I just kept thinking my god soul shut up like (laughs) don't want that person don't want to go there don't want something bigger like just stop and I tried so hard to contain myself and I thought I am actually terrified of myself and I actually did go and see that therapist and say I'm actually concerned (laughs) that I'm not going to be able to put a dam on this and she said if you can't I think it's going to serve you because what most people can do is put a dam on it for 20 years and then someone will walk into their world at the school reunion or they realize in a health scare I can't stay in this anymore. I've always hated cats and we've had 15 cats and I'm done with cats. Or like we are just toxic and I just tried to pay for over it and I can't anymore. Yeah, especially if you had some kind of abandonment in childhood. Trauma is a gateway drug. So any kind of energy back there is where you want to go and do your bonding and healing work and that can be done through things like breath work and meditation journeys and the healing journeys that so many shamanic teachers will take us through to reconnect us with ourselves to realize you don't need anyone else you're already connected everyone else is a mm-hmm. bonus but sometimes you yeah. need help to do that you can't do it yourself and i don't think any of this will be surprising to anyone who's gotten sober and then gone dating yeah. after being sober especially if you've really been in addiction with various substances and then you cut them out and then you're like how do I even talk to another person if I haven't smoked that thing or drunk that thing how many people have had sex sober how many sex if I'm sober like it is it's a relearning I have a rule with people you must try and have sex sober if you're if you're coming into this work and you want to meet your person yep. you can't be meeting yep. them high Um, because you know they did studies actually it was way back in the 80s or 90s I read this where women were on the birth control pill and they did this study that when they met their partner they were ignited and in loved and felt incredibly like it was all going to function they went off the pill they couldn't work this out but they no longer felt the chemistry they felt when they were on the pill and it's because all the pheromones had changed and I think it is interesting that if you meet someone when you're grounded and centered and feeling authentically in your own alignment you tend to get a really clear vibe of a yay or a nay you know because how many times you go well in my drunken haze you felt amazing (laughs) and like it could go the other way as well like when I was really in like doing a lot of drugs and alcohol and so the person who was completely together and grounded and had their shit together would came along and I'd be like not you (laughs) it's not you you're boring I'm going with this freak over here bye (laughs) sober dating is interesting it's a new thing and it's um not necessarily about not drinking or being high or whatever obviously everyone has their own parameters with that and is functioning and working with it as they need to but it's about not having sex for about nine to 12 weeks i know because we really like especially in our 20s it used to be like if i went home with you on the first date that's not because i like you it's because i don't like you and so you're one and done. Yeah. So that yeah. was always the sign. It's like if you took your home first night, that's it. That's all I it's going to be. I wish I had rules. If I do really I like you, we're going to wait a little bit. I wasn't playing in any rules. <laughs> but no, that was, it was not that it was a rule, but that's just how it would pan out. That was my pattern. If I don't really like you, I'll sleep with you. If I do like you, I won't. I, 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 I have that's so much um, 
uh, what's the word, like, reverence for the fact that you were thinking. I just was, like, completely not thinking. Just doing. And then, whoa, when my brain came in, I went, how long was I not thinking for? Um, sober dating is so interesting. When I mention it to my clients and say, look, you might be interested in this because it'll really show up all the other emotional mental exchange patterns mm. first because you seem to be really ignited sexually and then you completely forget about every other part of the functioning of a relationship. It's it's probably one of the things that you can hear the mic drop in the room. Like nobody speaks and there's <laughs> not a, popular a lot opinion, of shuffling <laughs> and there's a lot of, um, oh, I don't know, how we'll give it a go. And then it's harder than people think. They'll often get to three weeks mm. and then they'll feel like someone won't love them if they don't have that intimate connection or, you know, they can't perform. And, they, and as some people have said to me, you know, it's that thing where I actually think I come in with a lot of sexual energy and I go, don't look at all the other stuff about me. Just yeah, love this just connection for me yeah, and then yep. let's yep. move and continue that way. So I think this is a new thing. <laughs> it's a thing and I can see you going. Uh-huh. Okay, and we've <laughs> talked about it before mm-hmm. you've done it. Mm-hmm. So you said <laughs> 9 to 12 weeks, yeah, right? Got gotcha. to. I feel like it. such a, yeah. But, you know, look, give it a go. <laughs> okay, so would it be fair to say that the opposite of sober dating is tantric. Yes, and there's a place for that, friends. Yes. And anyone in long-term relationships who's thinking, what the heck is going on here? This didn't feel like it did when we first met. Where's the cocaine? You know how up. those endorphins rush, like we've had cocaine in the beginning, yep. particularly after children and our energy, adrenals, cortisol, everything has changed. It's actually a phase John Bradshaw, God bless you, I know you're over there, wrote a book before he passed away called Post-Romantic Stress Disorder and he talked about the unspoken phase in a relationship that our parents may not have gotten to or definitely didn't speak to us about, which was how to reconnect on a deeper, intimate, mind-blowing level after you go into a functional phase of relationship of bearing children and taking out the trash and doing lunchboxes, all the sexy things that make everyone crazy. Yeah, and then how do you get back to it? And so Tantra, whether it's when you first meet your partner, you're consciously going to use that connected energy together or whether it's later in phases of your relationship where you're like, we really dig each other, but we can't come in on that high anymore. We have to come in on a such a different truthful frequency. And Tantra is about connecting your energy with someone else's energy very consciously to build that circuit. And that is how very strong, loving, mind-blowing relationships keep going, folks. So there's a beginning and a middle and an end to everything. Let's talk about how to mindfully end relationships because that's another thing that in in certain circles at the moment, there's like this real understanding of if somebody doesn't serve me, if this isn't working for me, if you're not a good person for me to be around, I, I I cut it, I end it. Mm. And that can sometimes be a little, I've done it. I've done it far too abruptly where I didn't know, I realized things weren't good anymore, but instead of like lovingly end it, I just cut and run. It can look like ghosting, it can be really upsetting. Mm. Um, divorce can be like that. I know that we laugh at Gwyneth a lot and as we should, but she did give us the term conscious uncoupling. So, you know, it used to be this idea that divorce or breakup had to be things getting thrown and yelling and end up in court and it always had to be a negative thing. I loved when she came out with conscious uncoupling because I really felt that, I mean, having children now and realizing what that would do to them if we were not able to function together on whatever level, I can see why she very mindfully chose that term and wanted to do that. She's not saying, uh, you know, I got it right. What she was saying was, it's a journey and we'd like to do this nicely. But isn't it funny how the world went, oh, like, it, you know. It, <laughs> I mean, the world does love to do a bit of a, uh, but I think that is because it had been like, we'd had this one idea of mm. what it had to be to break up. And then that was the we bridge. Take sides. Yeah, that there had to be sides and yeah. a right and a wrong. Someone and like, fucked even it, up it used and... to be, if you wanted to get divorced, there was no no fault divorce. Yes. One person had to be blamed in yeah. the legal system. Like, mm. it is a real age of Aquarius changing of how how things can end and ends as beautiful endings as something beautiful to be given love and time and attention to not just as something abrupt and and traumatic and and it's your fault. So how do we mindfully end a relationship? It's really interesting because I think we've got the mindfully ending a romantic relationship, which 
I counsel a lot of people through, like, yes, I, we talked about this when you moved through your journey. How do we yeah. say to I consciously, someone? I consciously yep. uncoupled. Yep. I can laugh at, at goop as much as I want, but I consciously uncoupled my, my marriage. Yes. And I'm very proud of it. Of all the things I've done in my life, it's not often that you say the way I divorced somebody is one of the proudest things that I did, but it's absolutely one of my proudest moments. It should yeah. be. The way we enter yeah. and exit things should be. It yes. doesn't always mean that the other person is going to receive it. And that's heartbreaking yep. and I've had to counsel people through that. I can see you've really tried. Yep. You're trying to express this love for this person and set them free and that they don't see you setting yep. them free. They want to play that pain out on you and just you're just going to have to let that energy run until the river flows in a new direction. Yep. But to consciously gift somebody with the kindest, most aware ending – of what they gave you, what they offered you, that they birthed your children or were the man next to you while you birthed yours is, I think, powerful. And to look at the wounding that you have is the way to do that. You have to take responsibility for what the hell is going on inside of me. Why am I triggered? Why do I want to hate this person? Why would I want to take them to court and divorce? I, I do often say to people in these experiences, the one thing, and there, are, there is a necessary time for conflict resolution in courts and divorce, but it all costs you energy. Every time you can't resolve things kindly or nicely or quickly or evenly, everything costs you energy. And there'll be times I say to people, I'm so sorry, you're dealing with someone who is an unresolved narcissist. They are not going to change. Their whole goal is that you suffer. Please take this and to the highest court in the land because they will never let you get away unless it is by and law, they say it basically. They say it takes two to tango. And in the end of a relationship, I think that is where it really comes through. You can't one person cannot consciously uncouple a relationship. It has to be two people or a thruple, whatever. But like everybody's <laughs> got to be with the same intention that we do this lovingly and well and that we do this in a calm, if possible, loving way. If one person wants to and one person doesn't want to, it's probably not I also work. think it's easier when, you know, we divide up the house, we divide up the dogs, we divide up the, you know, the computers and the old CD collection or whatever. Do we divide the dogs? Do we cut Sometimes them in Sometimes I've that, seen people no, exchange we, dogs. We share the dogs? dogs. It's absolutely <laughs> part a thing. But sometimes we do that and we go and live in different places and get on with our lives. And that uncoupling seems to be easier than if you constantly have to railway track back to each other every second weekend and watch someone get a new yeah, wife and yep. look like they're having the yep. sex of their life and you're still trying to reform yourself after the you know birth death process and I find that that too is something that we have to accept that sometimes it's just clean and sometimes it isn't but you know what we we are getting better on some level at talking about this uncoupling and probably thanks to Gwyneth but I think the harder part that we're struggling with is in friendships oh and I don't think enough time and attention is given because, you know, if I sleep with you or we're sleeping together and we get to a point where we go, this is not, no, we're not, this is not working, is it? That's a real conversation. But when mm. you have a friendship, it's so different. And especially, I mean, I'm speaking from my experience, female friendships tend to go deep and last, outlast your partners, outlast your relationships, yeah, with romantic partners. Like you can be in a deep relationship with a woman Sister. for 20 years and you were friends and then it ends and there's not much of a guide framework or a guideline for like even how to experience I blame the it how to talk about it <laughs> I do I yes, do blame the patriarchy the because right now, it's it's a very harem kind of energy where women are trying to mm. understand how they can share energy and still feel powerful and then exchange and still feel safe and and there are women who know how to do that and there are women who don't and I think that you know it's all based in the fact that women were kind of put into groups for the gaze of energies and needs of men and so we turn on each other and we don't know exactly how to all coexist and have that frequency exchange together and we're not sometimes great at telling the truth like we don't say that really hurt me or I'm really triggered by that mm. or I get really upset and jealous about that or yeah, or this isn't working. 
Or I don't want to be your friend anymore. I'll just keep pretending I do for five years. I'll just keep it hanging in, even though I haven't said to you that I don't want to, but I'm indicating in so many different ways that that is actually my truth, but I'm not saying it out loud. It's all subtext. And, you know, just like so many men have mother and father issues, so do so many of us as women. And it plays out in our pseudo-sibling relationships, which is our closest friendships. But there just seems to be such a difficulty in being able to say, let's give this a go. Let, let's have a, you know, a every now and then friendship. Is this going to be a life? I think the conversations around friendships are just so much more weird and difficult at the moment. I hope we get better at them. Yeah, I recently, I'm getting better at it. I've like had quite a few friendships end in the last few years and some of I've, I've just been really bad at like I just haven't um uh, I've just yeah I just haven't done very well in being the kindest person I could be or the most consciously uncoupling person I can be but I recently had one end a couple of months ago and we like the conversation I had with her was amazing we said it we things were going pear-shaped and had been for a while finally we made time to have a conversation and it was only it was a less than a 10 minute conversation where we ended this 10-year friendship Mm. but we basically both just said look we're at an impasse we can't get around this I love you but I gotta leave you and thankfully we were both on the same page and she could be like yes that's what I'm feeling I love you and I've got to leave you and then we were just both like okay bye (laughs) but like it it was kind of weird because you don't like that's the goodbye but at least we got the goodbye yeah and then I'm still mourning the end like then the hard Mm. work of mourning comes but at least I can mourn it knowing that it had but we got taught that you were allowed to break up with someone you didn't want to be married to or partner we didn't get taught that you can move your friendships around and equally say, yeah. I know we were close yeah. 20 years ago. But things have changed. I've had experiences, you've let friendships go. I've had experiences in the last few years where I've met someone and I've just cut to the chase. I've just gone, I love you. I think we've known each other a long time before. And I'm really excited that you're going to be my be friend. friend. <laughs> and the love, there's been no, um, oh, I can't say, are you gonna, can we do this or whatever? We equally call each other out on our bullshit, but the love has just been, let's do this from the beginning. You're my friend. Because it's want, true. There, want to be there, there is love at first sight in romantic relationships and there's love in first sight at there friendships really as well. I've got a very dear friend that the first, like we met each other maybe 12 years ago now and the first dinner we were like, we're yes. in love. We are friends. Yes. And we both left that meal going, I just made a new yes. friend. That was amazing. Yes. Yeah, isn't that cool? And and I think okay. that that needs to be um, navigated a lot more too. So, Elle, what are our takeaways from today? Relationships, they're a lot of work, quite frankly. They can be quite, quite delightful, really. They can be. Let's face it. I think it's our life work. <laughs> it's cut to the chase. Yeah. Abs- it's absolutely, besides everything else we've got going on, our work is about how we relate to ourselves our past, our present, those around us. It's kind of like we're learning to spiritually commit and connect and disconnect. How we grow. We have two levels in the way we come at that. We come at it through our personality and our ego and we come at it through our soul. And any time we can take a step back and look at the soul patterning, the soul connection, what the soul needs, then we are working from a paradigm that's going to produce a positive flow, a future result of mm. energetic intention that will bring us more relationships. I think that's the thing. You can't give away relationships. We're designed to keep attracting, connecting and learning. Yeah. So the more we move this in consciousness, I think you get more soul tribe, more connection, deeper yeah. connection. More connection. Yeah, do your inner work. It'll help you with your outer work. And if you need to let go, do it with love. Yeah. You're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to be sad and let go and not have to hold on yeah. either. And and love shouldn't hurt. You know, I think we got taught a little bit that mm. from all those love songs that, you know, yes. <laughs> it's just like, you know, if it's not working and it's not coming back and it's not you're anxious, that's not love and just move away and go and give it to yourself because you'll find that that frequency will attract more of what you really want. Mm. What's more of what you really want, Lynette? Let's talk about what the world needs now. Uh, what's your what the world needs oh, now this week? Yeah, right. I did enjoy some Netflix series, which was great because I do really enjoy getting connected to characters and going on big journeys. Yes, me too. And uh, one of the outrageous series that my partner chose was The Righteous Gemstones. And I, I mention it because, if gosh, if anything about – the world of the billion dollar pastors excites you then 
it's a deep dive for sure, but it is absolutely mind-blowing and indignant and awakening. But I'm going to recommend for today, if you haven't got your hands on a book called Living Through the Meantime by Alanya Van Zandt, and you are working through all this relationship stuff or you're in the meantime between relationships and you're thinking, what are these people talking about? How can I, how can I, how, where do I start? That book, Living Through the Meantime by Alanya Van Zandt, it's a workbook, which is great, is designed to take you from woe to go. Save my life. What about you? Okay, so my, my What the World Needs Now is more self-dating. I think we could all do with dating yes. ourselves a little bit more. And I've been pushing this barrow for a few yeah, years now and I will not stop because I think dating ourselves is amazing. And the simplest way of dating yourself is meditation. I think What the World Needs Now is a bit more meditation, a bit more reflection. Amen, sister. You get to, it's like any other date. You get to like light the candles, <laughs> except you can do it in comfortable clothes. Um, and really sitting with yourself and also like other dates it can be really awkward when you start dating yourself it can be super awkward it's more listening because you have to listen to your own thoughts but eventually it becomes really comfortable and then really wonderful Um, and there's so many different one of the great things about wanting to meditate these days is there's so much information it's no longer mysterious it's no longer something that you have to know somebody to teach it to you there are apps there are books there are youtube videos if you want to meditate you could start right now that's what i think the world needs now a little bit more self-dating, a little bit more meditation. Love it. Uh, hey, Lynette, where can people find you on the internet, on the interwebs when you are not recording I this podcast? I am at in Planet Internet. I am myenergymentor.com. What about you, Kiki? I'm I'm KiriLeeLynch.com, K-I-R-I-L-E-I-G-H, Lynch.com. Come find me. While you're on the interwebs and you are Googling Lynette and I, please go and leave us a five-star review a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And it'd be really great if you could subscribe as well. It just really helps us get the word out about the podcast. You can also come and find us on Instagram and Facebook, WooWooVerse on both. Really great place to um, have a chat about anything you heard in this episode and just stay in touch with us. We love you. Uh, Lynette is recording a universal treasure chest for this episode. So check that out in a few days. Hey, Lynette, support you. I'll support you. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. The Wooverse is recorded and edited by our incredible super producer, Dan Zivkovic. We love him. And if this conversation has brought up anything for you, or if there's any extra work you've realized you want to do around this topic, then please know that you do not have to traverse the Wooverse alone. We encourage you to build a support team around you and to do what you need to do to take really good care of yourself because you're amazing. So be good to you. <laughs>